0: listening to a podcast from the University of Manchester.
1: This episode was recorded during lockdown. Please forgive any issues with sound quality. Hello and welcome to The Buzz. In this episode we're asking the question what will sustainable homes of the future look like? To help us answer this question, we speak to Claire Brown, a PhD researcher at the University of Manchester and the Tymbale Centre for Climate Change Research. But first, I've prepared a quick quiz to test Corey's knowledge of sustainability in the home. So, Corey, are you ready? Uh, yeah. So, I've got five small questions for you, and we'll see how you go. So, number one, true or false, if an appliance is turned off but is still plugged in, it doesn't use any electricity.
2: Uh, I'm going to say it still uses some electricity.
1: That is correct. Yes. So yeah, so it's false. Uh, so many appliances do continue to use electricity for things like remote control sensors and clocks. So it's best to unplug your appliance. So question two, what uses the most water in the average house? Is it A, washing machine, b a shower or c a toilet?
2: I'm guessing this is like an average shower length, right? Yep. Because like... <laughs> yes. it obviously take for ages. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with a
1: shower. You're correct again. Oh, come on. The shower. <laughs> well done. And question three. True or false, leaving your heating on a low temperature all day is cheaper than having it on high when you're home and turning it off when you're out.
2: Oh, I don't know. I feel like so much pressure. now because I got the first two right. Um, I'm hoping it's the first one because that's what I currently do. So I'm going to go with true. Your looks run out. I'm afraid. Oh, no. I'm afraid it's
1: false. Um, that's
2: doubly bad because I, that's what I do.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, lesson learned. Um, so yeah, if you keep it heating on all day, then you'll basically be losing energy all day. Uh, whereas turning the heating off when you're out should really save you money and use less heating.
2: Okay, I will keep that in mind.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so question four, which household appliance typically uses the most energy? Is it A, a fridge, B, a TV or C, a dishwasher?
2: I'm going to go with a fridge because it's always on.
1: Fridge is correct as well. Yes. Um, yep, yeah, so a fridge can consume up to a third of all power in the house. Uh, no. A good, good tip is to make sure that you, you, you don't leave the door open unnecessarily. That's
2: so much.
1: I know. So, number five, true or false, you lose more heat from a house through the walls than through the roof.
2: Ooh. Um,
1: I'm going to go with true. True is correct. Um, so... A typical British house loses about 25% more heat through the walls than through the roof. So obviously roof insulation is a a big thing that people are recommended they should install. Um, But uh, wall insulation could help you as well. Mm -hmm. So Corey, you got four out of five, which is very good. That's
2: great. There we go.
1: But a bit of room for improvement. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, Someone who knows lots about sustainability in the home is Claire Brown. And here's our interview with her. We're here with Claire Brown, PhD researcher for the Tyndall Center for Climate Change Research at the University of Manchester. So, Claire, will a home built 50 years from now look noticeably different to how it does now?
0: Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me uh, today. Um, Absolutely. New homes certainly will look uh, very different uh, in the future in terms of um, design, um, layout, orientation. Um, But a really interesting point to note is um, a large proportion of buildings that already exist will still be here in 50 years. So as well as thinking about uh, what new buildings will look like, um, it's also about thinking about what we can do to retrofit. In terms of retrofitting, so that is the kind of... um, Adding something or improving something to an existing property, you'll see things like external wall insulation, um, added renewable technology, so solar panels and roofs, um, whether that is um, integrated into roof tiles, for example. Um, you'll see a, an increase certainly in the use of air source heat pumps. And so those will kind of come commonplace as an external feature um, to housing. Um, also things like um, windows um, and shaving, um, the uh, climate in the UK is um, predicted to be warmer and wetter so uh, we will need a kind of mitigate for potential overheating so shading um around um properties will, will definitely be uh, more prevalent
1: and i think you've kind of touched on this but is, is sustainability is that one of the key factors moving forward
0: yeah absolutely so um if you think about new build um there will be um discussions uh, and kind of moving um technologies forward in terms of thinking as buildings um as material stores. Um, So thinking about the kind of life cycle assessment of it um, and not just thinking about um, building something for now, but actually... What can the constituent parts um, be used for later? So if you think about windows, um, you know, you've got a a glass component to that, um, whether that might be single, triple, uh, double glazed. And you've also got kind of metal um, elements potentially or um, PVC plastic. So really thinking about actually can we use those constituent parts in a new way in a different building? So if you think about um, a housing estate that is no longer fit for purpose, Can that be um, kind of stripped of its constituent parts—the roof tiles, windows, bricks—and utilised to build new, newer, more efficient, um, and even climate resilient properties? So, absolutely, the the kind of um, ethos of of sustainability in terms of. making sure that we're using our resources wisely um, will absolutely be be something that um, we will see um, for those of us who will be around in, in 50 years' time to, to, to witness.
2: Sure. Um, so it sounds like we should be doing some of this stuff now, though. Is is there kind of policy in place now that is encouraging things like green buildings or buildings?
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's there's a variety of, of kind of policy and um government support in the uk um that, that exists um there are arguments that actually it should go further um so there are um things like the green homes grants and um, which was launched this year um, where home- homeowners could um request um, a grant for two types of um home improvements um it is a kind of grant scheme that is kind of uh, mixed funding so the government will put forward some of the funding for that and then the homeowner will will, will pay for that um but there are um you know uh, opportunities to, to explore that um, much uh, much further um, if you think about um, when any property is sold rent or rented or leased um, it'll have to have a what, what's known as an energy performance certificate so that is a um, a four-size piece of paper um, that shows you how your building performs um, so that is already a metric um, that exists within the uk and there are calls for that to be um, improved. So you might live in a house, um, a rented property, for example, that is currently um, a D rating. Um, so it's not the worst. It's not the not the, not the best. Um, but actually there are proposals that are, are kind of um, coming forward around making sure that actually properties should um, improve on their um, minimum energy um, efficiency standards, really. Um, so it will kind of push forward those, those improvements. So if your building doesn't perform, then you can't rent or, or lease or, or, or kind of um, have it as a, a landlord property. Um, so, yes, yeah, so, so there are absolutely um, kind of mechanisms um, in the UK that, that exist to that. Um, there are historically things like um, the feed-in tariff, um, which doesn't exist anymore, um, but really incentivise people to install renewable technology on their property. So you would get paid for a certain amount, um, of generation of energy. It um, doesn't exist now, um, but there are um, a kind of uh, examples um, for certain suppliers, um, where actually the supplier will pay you for um electricity uh, generation. So uh, a number of um different suppliers uh, in the UK will um will, will now do that for you.
1: They sound like great incentives, um, for people for kind of like the everyday person uh,
0: what small
1: changes can they make around the home to help the environment
0: there, there's lots of things <laughs> um which, you know and lots of easy things as well um so from changing um a kind of older uh, halogen or a kind of incandescent light bulbs to led light bulbs um is a really easy kind of diy thing um that people can do um and if you think that a um you know kind of when we think of a traditional light bulb, um, you know, on average, they were about 60 watts, whereas uh, an LED light bulb could be five watts. So straight away, um, you are saving a large amount of um, uh, of energy just by just by changing, changing a light bulb. And that's easy for people to do. So, you know, they're readily available um, and changing a light bulb. I would argue most people are very capable uh, of doing. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> um, it's other things like um, proofing, for example. Um, you know, older properties um, particularly, um, you know, will, will suffer from um, a kind of draftiness. Um, and that's a result of um, uh, kind of... Um, over time, changes in the um, in the building, um, it might be things like um, moving floorboards or boards um, um, kind of not not fitting as tight, um, and so you can you can buy you know kind of various um, very low cost um, options to, um, to kind of help with reducing that draftiness. Um, so um, there are kind of um, floor draft excluders you can get. Um, you can even get um, tape to use around um, Uh, you know kind of floorboards and things like that just Mm. to kind of prevent that that feeling of draftiness because um most people will will feel um cold through their feet if you can um use different materials on floors for example so um, a rug is, is a really kind of easy um, to kind of achieve um, improvements um, you know and, and it adds kind of uh, character and, and can look quite aesthetically pleasing as well so mm. absolutely those those kind of things are, um, are kind of really easy to do. Um, from a wide sustainability perspective um, it's also thinking about actually what do we consume in our houses um, so thinking about you know what do we purchase um so down to food and 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 things like that um so utilizing um you know plastic free shops um to buy um, groceries so that you don't end up with you know lots of plastic single-use plastic um, going into your um, going into your recycle bin you know I've seen examples of people um, kind of having uh, meat-free Mondays um, I know organizations like the BBC um, through the um, Albert accreditation scheme have, have done lots of things around that in terms of reducing um, meat consumption as a as a as a really interesting way of kind of changing consumption consumerism
1: i know you mentioned uh about rugs and things like that are are there any other features kind of within the home itself that we might see introduced or uh, become more commonplace Uh, i'm thinking maybe things like solar panels uh energy efficient doors that kind of thing
0: yeah absolutely so um if we start with kind of solar panels um i've actually just had um, my array installed um with a battery um wow. which um today is is performing very badly <laughs> to the weather um, however <laughs> it has performed very well uh, yesterday actually was it was a really good day um hmm. and so Uh, You know, there's opportunities um, for for that. And I think one of the interesting things in terms of design, so from an aesthetic perspective, um, is seeing rather than a kind of panel attached to your roof is that integrated um, element to it. So it doesn't become quite apparent that you've you've done something it's very much more in in kind of um in the keeping of, of it's part of the roof um so that's you know absolutely one thing um that that we will um we will see in terms of heating um houses um obviously we've got um you know climate change projections are for um warmer um wester um climate for the uk um, some climate projections put Manchester at being quite similar to Barcelona um, right. in a kind of post 2050 <laughs> mm. um, uh, scenario, um, which <laughs> it, for some people will be lovely. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and actually, you'll see a heating um, demand reduction because if we are having a warmer climate, the heating won't have to go on um, as often. Um, and we will also see, um, Anna's uh, policy, that gas boilers won't be going into new properties. Um, I think it's from 2025. Um, so straight away in, in the short term, in, in the next five years, new properties won't have a gas central heating system. So again, there, there is a interesting challenge, I guess, in terms of um, gas engineers installing gas boilers. Um, obviously there'll be a need for maintenance and kind of ongoing systems, but there will be a, a, a massive push to different sorts of heating sources, um, for properties um, not, not, not just domestically, but, um, some commercial and, and kind of retail and, and public services as well. So that I think will be a, um, a really big change. Um, and you know, for, for future kind of careers and career development, I think that'll be a really, um, interesting area, um to explore so you have air source heat pumps which essentially work like a, a reverse refrigerator so right. uh, if you see that a fridge takes in uh, warm air and converts it into cool in inside your fridge it works in a, a kind of the, the the opposite way um so you're you're taking air um, and you're converting it to a to a to a heat um kind of source for your, for your property um, lots of them can um use existing radiator systems so again from a um kind of home improvement perspective you're not then pushing people to have major works um undertaken um on, on on properties um and efficiency of those um heat pumps is actually improving year on year um you'll see that with um solar panels we've had a, an improvement year on year but also a cost reduction which is important for um not, not converting kind of those early adopters of technology, but for those people who, um, you know, want want to make a difference, but actually financially it doesn't quite quite add up. So those improvements and putting it into the mainstream, I think we'll, we'll see in 75 in years and, and 10 years, a lot of changes in, in terms of um, how um, homes are heated, really.
1: Yeah, it sounds like there's lots of opportunities for positive change. Um Do we know if, moving forward, it's going to become more or less expensive to run and maintain our homes?
0: Um, So if if you look at um, how uh, energy bills are made up um, at the moment um, in the UK, um, a larger proportion is actually made out of the taxation um, around that. Um, So I guess the... um, Kind of the wholesale costs, the, the actual generation of um, electricity, um, you know, in a gas powered um, power station or from um, offshore wind or onshore wind or, or solar farms. Um, I, I suspect as technology is cheaper, um, will potentially come down. What will be interesting interesting for the kind of domestic consumer and commercial um, consumers is that level of taxation that we experience, mm. um, and so that um, you know absolutely could could go down, <laughs> um, but it could it could stay the same, or or we could see increased taxation on uh, energy consumption to potentially pay for. Um, additional grant services or large-scale rollouts uh, of newer technology like 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 heat pumps so i think at the moment um we kind of have a, a, a it's it's almost a plateau um you know day in day out um we we see different um generation um prioritized um at the moment um if you um have a look at kind of what what today's doing. Um, I think when I checked this morning it's about 52% electricity generation from gas powered um power stations. Right. Um largely because um solar isn't uh, on a day like today, uh, solar isn't performing particularly um well. Um same with some of the larger onshore um wind farms. Um you know weather dictates both of those um the ability of those technologies to perform so again it's about having having that balance um and that i think is 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 one of the, the tricky things is having that balance whilst decarbonizing the grid um you know we've, we've been quite successful in the uk in terms of decarbonizing that that grid they're taking a lot of coal powered gas station coal powered power stations um off the grid um has led to you know massive um improvement in in the kind of carbon intensity of of the grid but it's about maintaining that demand and and you know it sounds a bit cliche but you know making sure the lights don't go out um is is really important for a lot of consumers and um I think it's about having that um, strength and that that mix of the of the energy consumption, um, sorry, energy um, supply, um, and so if we can reduce demand on the grid um, by increasing our energy efficiency, so um, improvements in lighting, for example, in heating, um, potentially in cooling as well. So. Like I mentioned about uh, warmer climates, if we're having to get to a situation where actually we need to have um, a cooling um, supply, then we're essentially adding in a a newer uh, kind of demand on the grid um, for, for, for cooling because we are overheating. So it's really important to think about that kind of... Um, improvements in 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 energy efficiency and and so it's you know even down to you know laptops and 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 computer screens and um you know the wi-fi um that we use Mm -hmm. you know it's making sure that um we're being as efficient as as we can so it's you know shutting things off and making sure things aren't on standby um and so that you are essentially decreasing the amount of energy that you're using for whatever activities you do um, and therefore not putting increased demand on the grid um, because I think that'll be um, that'll, that'll be the interesting one is uh, at what point does, does cooling demand um, increase
1: yeah I, I I remember reading that um, using a kettle can be quite harmful to the environment are there any other? appliances in the in the house that people should be aware of that that could cause damage
0: yeah so uh, using lots of things <laughs> <laughs> um yeah the, the, the kettle is is one of those that um you know people quite often overfill a kettle mm. um and if you're not going to be using that water for boiled water um why are you boiling it you know that <laughs> um, you know and, and it's easy to do if you try have a measure you know on the side our side of the kettle um, certainly um you know um if you're thinking about laundry so uh, washing machines and tumble dryers um, tumble dryers in in particular um, you know very high uh, energy consuming um, have improved um, over the years but again, it, it's thinking about actually, can we do things, you know, a bit differently? So um, there used to be a, um, a certification scheme called the Code for Sustainable Homes, which had a number of environmental metrics in it, um, which considered, um, you know, things like um, lighting, energy consumption, um things like rainwater harvesting in there. So, you know, collecting water from, um, the, the gutters. Um, and they also have, you you should be able to get a a credit, um, for having an outside dryer. So, you know, those kind of, um, wire, um, kind of dryers that you might've had when you were, when you were younger. Um, you know, having those meant that you didn't have to rely on a tumble dryer. Um, on a day like today when it's raining excessively, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> that's really not helpful, um, you mm. know. So actually, it, it's thinking about, well, you know, do you need to have a, a tumble dryer for maybe kind of winter, but actually in the summer you can utilise, um, you know, drying outside. Um, it is important uh, to, to, to note that actually um, drying your clothes inside is a really um, kind of over-radiators um, is a really <laughs> terrible idea Um <laughs> Because <laughs> we think the water has to go somewhere, um, right. and if it, you know, so it's evaporating, so it's water vapor in your house, it's going to find something to to essentially land on. So it's preventing condensation. So when water vapor hits the cold surface, and and you know, you occasionally see it in the mornings on, on windows, that kind of the moisture on on a on a window. But it can lead to real kind of um, problems, um, you know, extreme versions of, of kind of um, of mould growing. Um, and so that, again, you know, is, is something that uh, I would, you know, I've, I've banned in, <laughs> in my house. Um, <laughs> um, you know, but it, but it's things like that that actually, oh, you know, I've not got a tumble dryer, but I'm drying it inside. It just, you know, that water's going somewhere, and essentially, if you end up damaging the fabric, so that the, the, the walls, the floor, the ceiling, you could actually lead to wider problems uh, and potentially defects. And you know, if mold grows, that that's a health impact as well. So, mm. um, you know, mm. again, something something not <laughs> not to, not, to, not to partake in, not not to be a, a kind of a negative person.
2: <laughs> Sure. Um, I think you mentioned it there a little bit. Is there anything in our, our gardens, perhaps outside the home, that we can be uh, doing? I, I don't know, maybe turn into like an electric lawn mower or anything else like that?
0: Yeah, I, I think in the garden, there's, there's, there's lots of things um, that we can do. Um, I kind of uh, mentioned, I think, um, about rainwater harvesting. So again, you know, utilising um, water sources that already exist, um, having water butts um, on on properties to collect water, so that if you are a keen gardener, to be able to, to utilise that water um, rather than using uh, rather than using tap water. It's also things, uh, you know, the, the wider issue of kind of biodiversity as well. So speaking about, um, you know, actually, what what species do I have in in, in my garden? You know, are they kind of mm. um, encouraging um, insects, so butterflies, bees, um, and so that you are helping support those kind of wider sustainability issues. So you know, there there are lots of kind of um, guidance. Um, uh, kind of websites that are, that are really kind of helpful so so the wildlife trusts and rspb in terms of things that you can do in terms of essentially encouraging nature in, in into your garden um it's also things like um you know when when thinking about planting if you have kind of areas that you can um you know thinking about actually what native species uh can can we use um from a um you know kind of uh garden maintenance <laughs> uh, perspective uh you know um reducing mowing regimes um you know use using um a, as efficient um equipment as possible um you can get electric you can get get petrol um you know depending on your um your, your preference um you know obviously i mentioned about i've now got panels so my lawnmower could be charged off the battery so um that would be a uh, you know a, a, an absolutely you know wonderful thing to to be able to to do but it's also things like um using chemicals you know pesticides um things like that actually you know are there uh natural resources that you can that you can use in it in, instead um it, it sounds uh, sounds uh hilarious but I had a big problem with slugs earlier in the summer on my uh, veg patch. Um, And actually copper wire apparently uh, Mm. uh, kind of, uh, puts them off going into certain areas. So, uh, I've invested in some copper wire just, just from a DIY store and put that all around my uh veg patch, and, and it seems <laughs> to have worked. Um, so I've not had to use um slug pellets. Um, and of course, slug pellets can cause um animals such as uh, hedgehogs problems. So you're thinking about kind of the the wider kind of food chain in in our gardens, um. And uh, yeah, so I, I was there's kind of lots of different, lots of different things, and you know, it's time to you know, at Christmas. We all like to decorate our homes. It's you know, thinking about actually, can I use a solar powered um Christmas light set outside, um because actually the because they're generally LED um they won't need as much um energy to light up um as they kind of um uh, other bulbs. So again, it's you know, it's making. Those consumer choices um, and thinking about kind of um, what can I do differently, I guess, is is is, is almost a mindset.
1: Yeah, it sounds like there's loads of little things that people can can put in place to make a to make a big difference. Uh, something that's a, a bit more of a bigger change is uh, electric cars. Are a big talking point at the moment. Uh, do you think we're likely to see electric car chargers on every driveway soon?
0: that's a really uh, interesting question and i think personally probably we will um but i think there will need to be um, a big shift in almost the the infrastructure that is associated with um, uh, electric vehicles um, so if you think um, of a traditional house with um with a drive for example um you essentially have a, a personal space to put a charger on the wall, for example, and, and, and plug it in. A lot of um, traditional housing um, in the UK is terraced housing, um, no drive. Um, yeah. So, where do you put the charging point? So, um, I read uh, recently about some um, trials that Salford um, University had actually uh, done around um, a different type of infrastructure around uh getting that charging point um into uh essentially that the pavements um to enable people to do, to then charge their vehicles so um I, th- I think there's a lot of ongoing um research um it's also things like um if you think about the car as a kind of um almost like a, as, as an additional battery to your house so if you've got solar panels um you could um Charge them um, in the in the day, um, and you could put that into the the house overnight. But then, if you don't use your vehicle, you could use that as a battery and, and kind of discharge that back into the house to use, you know, on computers and and TVs and in Wi-Fi and things like that. So there's a lot of uh, uh, kind of information out there that is exploring lots of different ideas around um, electric vehicles. Um, it's also um, interesting about um if we are discharging electric vehicles into the grid um it's making sure that we don't essentially overwhelm the grid with um energy sources um which i know a lot of um, research is going into um at the moment mm. um in terms of look, looking at that um in terms of not disrupting the grid because of all of this you know renewable technology that, that homes are kind of um in racing, um, but not necessarily needing to use, and putting that into, into the grid.
2: Are you optimistic about the future of sustainable homes?
0: That's a good question. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very much an optimist, um, so I would like to say yes. Um, I think um, this will come from uh, a number of different sources, so you will see, um, I think, um, a lot more people building their own homes um, which are very much designed to be, um, you know, very low carbon in their intensity. Um, the materials used um, will have a, a low embodied carbon. Recyclable materials will be uh, uh, kind of increased. And I think if, if that starts to happen um, more, then i think um the potential disruption to uh you know kind of the mainstream house builders in particular um you know might might be an an interesting thing um that will that will take place um because there's there's you know there's loads of examples of um really great projects that have um uh, built really great um performing buildings so um Goldsmith Street in um, Norwich won the uh, Reber Architects Award uh, last year, which was a passive house. So passive house is a um, German designed um, building um, philosophy, and it's probably the best way to, to, to explain it in terms of really thinking about fabric first. So you're thinking about the insulation levels. It's got very low, um, a kind of air exchange. So not drafty at all. Um, and so I think when there are more and more examples of those being built, um, and people, you know, kind of accept that those buildings look a bit different. Um, you know, it's not just a door, three windows and a, and a roof and red brick. Um, that it's you know utilizing different materials different designs that i think actually we we might see um a a shift um in certainly certainly new builds um towards that that better that better efficiency um particularly as people you know aspire to um be a little bit more um you know environmentally friendly um you only have to look at the impact um of um recent david attenborough I said David Attenborough uh, documentaries, um, you know, around plastic, to see that there has been a shift in 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 the use of plastics um, and single use plastics. So, you know, the pop ups of um, you know plastic free shops. So there's one at uh, or the, there was one in the students union uh, at Manchester. Um, you know, examples like that of, of that that shift. So I, I think as it gains momentum, we will absolutely see. Um, more, um, uh, energy efficient structures, um, that that meets the um, kind of the scenarios that that are put forward by the IPCC in relation to how climates might change in the UK. Um, so I I, I think as we kind of move towards those changes, um, and the work that the Committee for Climate Change do. Um, we will see um, that, that push towards improvements and, and people will, you know, uh, be able to enjoy their homes and, and have that knowledge that actually maybe they are generating their own um, electricity and they are, they are using less. Um, and at the end of the day, if, if you're not really bothered about environmental issues, but you, your energy bills are less, um, even from a financial perspective, you know, that, that, that's a, a winner for, for lots of people. So I think that, that, that'll that be a, a really good um, driver for change, I think.
2: I'm looking forward to uh, more weird looking buildings, which hopefully will be uh, environmentally friendly. I think the um, the contact theatre on campus, actually, hasn't that got its own, um, it's that weird building uh we'll have to get a pitch on this show because i i can't describe it uh, it's uh, <laughs> i know which one you mean it's got those yeah it's got a four like chimney things i not it? yeah. i think it um, self ventilates doesn't it
0: yeah yeah i've only been in it once but yeah it's 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 uh you know it's a fascinating building um you know and and there are quite quite a few uh you know really interesting uh structures um you know the the Mech mech d building um that'll be really really fascinating uh when that's that's open and um running to kind of see how that performs that'll be that'll be a really interesting thing
1: That's all from us today. A big thanks to Claire and the Tyndall Manchester team. You can head to tyndall.manchester.ac.uk to find out more about their research. Next time, we'll be speaking to nuclear experts, Dr. Anika Khan and Dr. Laura Lay, asking them all about the world of nuclear energy and finding out what positive role it could play in the future. You can find out more about the Buzz podcast at manchester.ac.uk forward slash the buzz. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at UOMSciEnc. And you can also search for our Facebook page and YouTube account. If you have any questions about today's episode, our email address is fsemarketing at manchester.ac.uk. See you next time.